is our phrase at Radiate is that you matter. Everybody matters. And uh, we wanna, we take seven days every year, just seven straight days, and our goal is to serve as much as absolutely possible in our communities uh, during that time. And not only that, we do it every month called Serve Saturday. We have opportunities to serve our community. But we take those seven days and we just wanna um, just flood our community with the love of Jesus through practical serving. And I want you to know that so far, so far, uh, this week, we still got some opportunities coming, but so far this week we served over 500 hours uh, this week alone. Come on, somebody. Woo! That's amazing. I believe what's celebrated is repeated because you celebrate what you value, so I think we should celebrate well. Uh, over 500 hours, over 100 different unique people have served those opportunities this year. Come on. That's really strong. I love that. Next year, I'm, I'm praying for over 250. Anybody believe in that with me? Yeah, there you go, there you go. This is really cool. Um, we served four different counties this year and over, and thousands, thousands, I mean, multiple thousands of people were impacted by what uh, the opportunities that we served this year. So I want to say thank you to you for serving our community this week. I love you. That's what we're all about. And I was reminded this week that... Um, that, that of why we do this, why we have a church, why we serve, why do we invite people, why do we do those things? And I read a statistic that made me a little sick in my stomach. So when we started this church, um, about 23% of Americans did not attend church at all, about 23%. That number has changed in 10 years. Now in 2022, it is up to 57% of Americans. The first time in history that over half of Americans either seldom or do not attend church. That's heartbreaking. That ought to break the heart of, and I'm not just talking about people that call church home, that ought to break the heart of people that love Jesus. And here's why. I, I, I understand this, and I get this like statement about once every week or every other week. It's, well, you don't have to go to church to believe in God. You're right. You're right. You know what? You can be married and not go home too. The truth is, listen, the truth is this. If you want a thriving marriage, you need to go home and know your wife or your, your spouse or your husband. You need to go home and spend time with them and know what they like. And, 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 and honestly, your life, uh, your job in your marriage should be to make the other person happy. That's your job if you're married. That's your responsibility. Make them happy in life. Not you, them. But watch this. You can't know them if you don't spend time with them, if you're not in their presence. Watch this. The importance of church is coming together and going, listen, I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to know what God says. I'm going to get around his people that believe with me, and I'm going I'm to have community with them. I'm going to get in a place to where I know that he's moving, and I know that he's changing lives because I see it, I hear it, I'm a part of it. And see, the importance of church is not about gathering. The importance of church is about growing. The importance of church is about connecting. The importance of church is about serving. The importance of church is about going. That is why church is important. That's why it is so heartbreaking to me that 57% of Americans either seldom, you know, when it rains, they don't come, or when they got this, they don't come. And I'm not saying you need to be here not every 52 weeks a year, but I did just leave a country. Watch this. Y'all in El Salvador, it rocked my world. You can't keep those guys out of church. You can't keep, if they believe in Jesus and they tell you that, watch this, they're going to be in church and they will worship 
and they will pray and they will actively look at you and go, I don't understand, but I know that God is good. I spent seven days there and had to answer those questions for seven straight days. But the truth is, is that 57% of Americans, and that breaks my heart, because I know what God's doing here. And here's what that means, to break it down in Colombia, in Colombia alone, not Florence, nowhere else, only in Colombia, that means that within 10 miles, how many of you guys drove 10 miles this week at any point, 10 miles at one time? Yeah, we all did, right? You drove 10 miles. Within 10 miles of where you sit right now, there are 238,435 people within 10 miles of you right now that do not attend church. 238,000. I don't know about you. But whenever the Bible says that the harvest is plentiful, I think there's 238,000 of harvest out there. I think there's people that we get to reach. And you and I, my, I, I texted Pastor Travis this this week. My prayer is that 10% of them will call Radiate Church home. 10%. You know why? Because I know what Jesus is doing in this place. I watched what he did at the 8.30 service. I've seen him restore marriages. I've seen him heal people that are physically sick. I've seen him move in people's lives and pull us from the pits of hell. I've seen lives change forever. And if we've seen that, I sh- and if I've seen that and I know that, I should be ashamed to keep that to myself. I should be ashamed and just, just, just brokenhearted to keep it to myself and not invite people. And that is why we invite. That is why we serve. That is why we have teams. That is why we open up room in services. That is why we always do what we have to do to reach as many people as possible with the love of Jesus because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It doesn't mean we're perfect. It doesn't mean we've got it all together. It doesn't mean we're better. Here's what it means. It means we are submitted to him and we know what he can do in our lives. So I just want to encourage you. I just want to say, like, that is why we do what we do here at Radiate Church. And here's what I know. Some people don't like it. And that's okay. But I also know this. It will never be about anything other than Jesus Christ. And we need to always do what we can to bring people in. And today, I want to talk to you about something that gives you a little bit of tools in your toolbox to help you live that out a little bit, to help us live that out as we finish our Going Pro series. So let's pray together as you get your uh, notepads or your your, your note-taking, your pens and all together. I want to pray with you. Father, take us where you want us to go today. Teach us. Open us up, Holy Spirit, and pour into us, God. Let us learn where you want us to go. Let us learn what you want us to know, God. I love you so much. And today we are not here by accident. This is on purpose. And you have a purpose for us. And God, we love you and we honor you. In your name we pray. Everybody said amen. How many of you guys would love to walk through life doing everything with hands tied behind your back? Walk around like this, right? It'd be kind of hard, wouldn't it? It'd be hard to do a lot of things. It'd be hard to drive, right? Although some of us already drive like we have our hands tied behind our back. (laughs) It'd be hard to talk on the phone. It'd be hard to text. You know what I'm saying? It'd be hard to, 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 to work out. You could do squats, but that's about all you could do. You know what I'm saying? Like the air squats. I don't need to do that too much. I've been out of the gym long enough to where that hurts. Right? It, it would be difficult to do a lot of things. It'd be difficult to carry on your, your normal life like this unless you just become accustomed to it. And, and the hard part is, is that many of us walk through our spiritual lives just like this. We've got our hands tied behind back, except the ropes or the chains that are tying our hands behind our back are anger and bitterness and frustration, skepticism, cynicism, narcissism. 
It, it, it's, it's where we, we everything, we, victim mentality, everybody's against us. It's not me, it's them. Come on, somebody. We walk through life like this, and, and can I tell you that most of the chains like that in our lives are birthed birth from, watch this, unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Psychologists and uh, uh, pastors and spiritual, uh, uh, spiritual gods tell us all the time that unforgiveness is one of the greatest roots of bitter fruits in our lives. It's, it's, it, it changes everything. And, 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 and here's the thing. Many of the, the fruits in our lives that are counterproductive to what God wants us to be, to what we know we should be, to living out the gospel and being a healthy, uh, a spiritually healthy, emotionally healthy, mentally healthy, physically healthy person in this world. Many of the fruits that are counterproductive to that are birthed out of unforgiveness. It's birthed out of those things. In fact, um, it, it may be, it can be a, a myriad of things. It, maybe it's a parent that never let you know how loved you were. And so now you live through your life because you've never letting that go, that now every man or woman that looks at you a certain way, you need love. It, it maybe maybe it's, it's um, a spouse that refuses to show you your worth because maybe they don't know how. Maybe you can't let that go. Maybe it's something that a spouse has done to you. Maybe it's what someone else outside of a marriage or a close relationship did to you 15, 20, 25, 30, 40 years ago. Maybe it's an insecurity that, watch this, you can't forgive yourself from. Maybe it's not even an outside person or an outside opportunity or an outside thing that happened. Maybe it's something internally about you that you cannot forgive yourself of who you were and what you've done and what you said and how you acted and all these things. And all that stuff, here's what I know, we're all going to deal with unforgiveness. But here's the thing, psychologists say that unforgiveness leads to, uh, uh, leads to depression, anger, Rage, stress, anxiety, and all of those things lead to something else. All of those things lead to overeating, unhealthy lifestyles, being a workaholic, overspending money that you don't have, and being incredibly susceptible to addiction. All of those things lead to those. So watch this. There's a root that's on the inside that nobody can see called unforgiveness. So when I don't let something go, then it leads to depression in my life because I'm still held captive. It leads to anxiety because what if they do to me what they did to me? Are you with me? It leads to anger and rage because everybody's out to get me and oh, how dare you? It leads to all these things, stress and anxiety. And then all those things lead to being unhealthy and overeating. All those things lead to maxing out credit cards for money you don't have. All those things lead to being addicted to pills or alcohol or social media or other things that are not healthy because you're trying to medicate. But watch this, all those things together are from one root. Psychologists and pastors and theologians all agree throughout the Bible, it's in there. All those things lead to one thing that has a root that nobody sees, and it's the root of unforgiveness. It's the inability to release and let go of something. It's the inability to, to free. In fact, it's like this. You've probably heard this phrase. It's the same thing as drinking poison 
and expecting the other person to feel the, result, uh, the effects. You drink the poison, you throw it back, man. You're, you, you, you go, yeah, I'm drinking this poison, and that person's going to feel it. Nobody in life knows that that is logical. Everybody would go, well, if you drink it, it's going to affect you. Exactly. Through depression and anxiety and rage and anger and all these other things, overeating and unhealthy lifestyles and overspending and all this stuff. And, 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 and it's the same Thing. And here's what I want to tell you today. Either you have dealt with forgiveness or unforgiveness in your life or you will deal with it in your life. The truth is we are all going to have something happen to us at some point that requires letting it go. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. See, forgiveness is, is this. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 through 15, we love, and we're going to talk about this in just a minute, but in verses 14 and 15, after the Lord's prayer, this is what Jesus tells us about forgiveness. Watch this. He says, for if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, this is the first, verse 15, is the one that we want to skip. This is the one we don't want. But if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. Did you hear what Jesus just said? He said, you want forgiveness? So here's what he says, right? He says, forgiveness is available to you. The redemption of your sins, the forgiveness of who you were, the redemption of a relationship between you and your father, the redemption of a relationship between you and God, that is a vertical forgiveness between Jesus, between God, between the Holy Spirit and you. It is vertical. It is heaven to earth. Are you with me? But then he says, in order for you to really get this, you have to give this. He says you have to give not just, you have to not just receive the vertical forgiveness, but you have to be willing to give the horizontal forgiveness. Or else the vertical forgiveness is a business transaction to keep you out of a bad place, to keep you out of hell, to make sure you're in right standing with God. But if you're not willing to give what you've received, then you're nothing more than a consumer. And the whole kingdom of God is not about being a consumer, it's about being a contributor. So we cannot, according to the Bible, according to the literal words of Jesus, we cannot separate receiving forgiveness from giving forgiveness. Both of them are tied together and locked together. They're melted together. They're welded together in the sense to where I will receive forgiveness, but I will give forgiveness. I can't receive and not give. I must do both. And God is clearly teaching us throughout the Bible. Jesus is clearly telling us right here that if you want an active, loving, life-changing relationship with Jesus, with God the Father, watch this, you have to learn forgiveness. Let me tell you just a few things of what forgiveness is, and then we're going to break something down. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Because I already hear it. I hear you. I hear so many people in life. Well, I can forgive, but I won't forget. Or how do I forgive if I can't forget? Sometimes you don't need to forget it. Sometimes you don't need to forget it. Sometimes it's okay to go, I know what you did to me. And because of what you did, I'm not gonna, I'll forgive you, but I'm not gonna forget it. 
And so I will build, I will build parameters, I will build structures, I will build safeguards around my life to keep that from happening again. Now, can I just be real transparent with you today? Are you good with that? Can you handle that from your pastor today? Here's the reality. Sometimes we get so offended at people about things we shouldn't be offended at, and that is not their problem. Listen, just because they voted different from you doesn't mean you have to wall them out of your life. In fact, what I would say is you need to build a bridge and you need to learn how to talk together and figure out each other's point of view. Okay, all right, about three of you are like, yeah, I'm with you. You know, just because, you know what I'm saying? Like, forgiveness is not forgetting, but we also have to understand that unforgiveness creates a sensitivity that now creates offense in our life. And now we're at a place to where when I'm not forgiving others and I'm not letting things go, now the first time somebody looks at me wrong, somebody says, some, somebody, they ignore, they told me something I didn't like. Now I'm offended. And they need to apologize to me. Or maybe you need to let it go, regardless of what they do. Watch this. Can I just tell you something? Can I free you up today? Here, watch this. Somebody in life is going to offend you today. Come on. Y'all believe that, right? At some point at lunch, at, 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 at dinner, you know what I'm saying? Like, at the store, somebody's going to make you mad today. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's gonna, in fact, if you stick around Radiate Church long enough, I will offend you. It's going to happen. You won't like something I say. You won't like a way that I lead this church. You won't like something I do. And to that, I just say, okay. Some of you are like, you, you did that within the first 10 minutes. Good, we got it out of our system. We're good now. You know what I'm saying? Like the truth is, is watch this. I'm not Jesus Christ. I'm trying to live my life as best I can to be like that, but I'm not perfect. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna miss the mark. I'm gonna do it wrong. I'm gonna make a bad decision. I'm gonna say something you don't like. I'm gonna miss your text message. I'm gonna miss your email. I'm gonna miss your phone call because the truth is I got 800 people that call on me plus pastors and other people and some people in other countries. I can't hit everything. I'm gonna offend you sometimes. That's why we have groups to where they can care for you. That's why we have staff so they can care. Watch it. hear me. At some point, you will not like something about me. I think I'm very easy to like. It's my personal humble opinion. Probably the most humble person you'll ever meet. <laughs> some of you catch that on the way home and start laughing. The truth is, is like, it's gonna happen. You know why? Because we're all human. You're gonna do something that I'm not gonna like. Your life group leader will, your spouse will, your child by God will. We're all going to get in that point. So you got to come to a place to where you have to be mature enough to where I don't run to Facebook with every offense. And I don't go and spread stuff to every person because I'm offended. But now I am able to be mature enough to go, this is something that I need to protect myself against. Because it's someone that is intentionally trying to sabotage my life. I will let it go, but I don't have to let them in. Build the parameters. It's okay. It's all right. But you cannot blame that on everybody. You can't build a wall so that you're so guarded that nobody can get into your life. That's how you create a silo and you live in sin by yourself. And now nobody can tell you anything because you know it all. Come on, we're hitting it today. 
And now you are in an echo chamber of your own voice and any voice that comes in outside of that, they have no right to tell you that because I'm so guarded because you don't know what people have done to me. You're right, I don't. But I also know what people are trying to do for you. And that's for all of us. We all are susceptible to that. And so we got to get to this place where forgiveness is not forgetting. So we forgive them. We create boundaries. And then we rebuild trust together. How many of you know that people change? Come on. People change. How many of you are excited? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many are excited and, and, and grateful that you're not the same as you were five years ago? Come on. You're not the same you were five years ago. I'm not the same I was five years ago. Hopefully it's in the better direction, but some people change for the worse. Some people change for the better, but we all change. If you don't believe me, go look at your high school yearbook. You've changed. I've changed. Watch this. Give people an opportunity to live their new life with you. Don't hold who they were against them. Have your boundaries. Have your boundaries, but allow there to be a opportunity of rebuilding trust together to where you're walking through life. You can be, you can be a little sensitive about it. You can, you can be a little, you know, if it's been something that dramatic, I get it. That's fine. But do it the right way. Give them a chance to be different. You know what I'm saying? Give them a chance to rebuild because five years is a long time. One year is a long time. And forgiveness should be when we create those boundaries, we forget them, we create boundaries, and then we allow them to rebuild trust with us. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is also not fair. Forgiveness is not fair. In fact, watch this. Uh, our natural reaction when somebody does something to us is what? We strike back, right? We get in fighter stance. We get them fists up. We're ready to throw hands. We're ready to roll. Don't you mess with me because after all, the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to get you. You get on Facebook and you destroy my reputation. You watch what I do on Facebook. And then both of you walk into life group and everybody's standing there going, oh. Right? You walk into church and like, hey, 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 I love you both. I don't want to do this. Right? When you, when you pit it against each other, like it's not an eye for an eye. Forgiveness is not fair. It, it, it sometimes, Jesus is the greatest example of this. He says, turn the other cheek, and then he does it. They're accusing him of things he never done, it, and it says he was as silent as a lamb going to slaughter. He didn't say a word. He didn't defend himself. He just, that's fine. I let God do my talking. I let God do the vengeance. In fact, in Psalm chapter 103, in verses 10 through 12, it, it says this. This is a perfect example, perfect verses of the fact that forgiveness is not fair. It says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Watch this. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. That's not fair, is it? God is not a fair God, He's a just God. But he's not a fair God. How is he not a fair God? He has not dealt with us according to our sins. In other words, everything that you've done wrong, we do not deserve heaven. We do not deserve a relationship with a holy God. We do not deserve to be in the presence of the perfect Savior. We do not deserve for the Holy Spirit to be in our life. But because he's not fair, he forgives them anyway. In fact, Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 says, while we were yet sinners. In fact, while we were in the midst of sinning, it says Christ died for us. When I was in the middle of partying, when I was in the middle of cussing my wife, when I was in the middle of doing all these things, when I was in the middle of walking away from a relationship with Jesus, when I was in the middle of being as far from a Christian, as far from a follower of Jesus as possible, he still died on the cross for me and for you. Why? Because he ain't fair. Because he ain't fair. 
It says that he, he um, let me read it again. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor has he rewarded us according to our iniquities. You haven't gotten what you deserve for what you've done. How do you know what I've done? Because I know we're all human. And I know we're not all going to get it right. But watch what he says in verse 11 and 12. He, he says this. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. Watch this. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgression from us. If he was fair, he wouldn't remove it. If he was fair, he wouldn't forgive it. If he would, I mean, if he, was, if he was, yeah, if he was fair, he wouldn't redeem it. But because he's not a fair God, you have an opportunity of redemption, of, re of grace, of love, of mercy, of relationship with a father that embraces you in your mess but won't leave you there. That is not a fair God. Forgiveness is not fair. In fact, here's what forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness is giving to others what God gave to you. When I forgive, when I let it go, it is the opportunity for me to give to you horizontally what God gave to me vertically. It is what the cross has given me, and now I get to express that, and I get to show that. But when we experience the cross of Jesus, when we experience the forgiveness of Jesus, watch this, it should change our lives. Forgiveness should change our lives. I shouldn't go, all right, I'm forgiven. I can go do whatever I want. No, that's called hyper-grace gospel, and it's not biblical. The hyper-grace gospel, if I'm really in love with Jesus, I live my life for that which I love. If I really love my wife, my life, hear me, if I really love my wife, my, li my life is bent around making her happy and living for her. If I really love my kids, my life is bent around making sure they get with it. If I really won't G love Jesus, my life is bent around him. He's not bent around me. I'm bent around him. And I'm able to live that way because I love him. One of the Hebrew words for forgiveness in the Bible is the word selak. And selak means this, gift freely given. So when it says that he's given us, for, forgiven us, here's what he's saying. I am giving you a gift of forgiveness to where I have now exonerated and cut off everything you've done wrong and I'm giving it to you freely. There is, no, there is nothing you have to earn. I'm just giving it to you because I love you. And I don't know about you, that changes my life. That changes my life. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not fair. Here's the last one. Forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says this, if we, forget, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That is the gospel in one verse. If we confess our sins, if we go, you know what, Jesus, I've tried to do this without you, and I can't. I'm cut off from relationship with the Father. I'm a sinful man, and I can't get it right. Jesus, I need you. I need the forgiveness of the cross. I need the blood of Jesus in my life. I can't be a good husband, father, pastor, leader, friend, follower, disciple. I can't be any of that without you. And Jesus, I need the forgiveness of you in my life. It says that when I confess my sins, he is faithful and he is righteous to forgive me of those. And it says that he will make me clean again. Remember the phrase that we say here all the time? God loves you where you are. In your mess, he embraces but he won't leave you there. Why? Because he's making us clean again. 
because he's taken us on a journey that ought to change our lives to where we, we love our wives different and we love our church different and we love our friends different and we serve our communities different and we approach people different and we talk to people different and we act, thing, act different. Why? Because the forgiveness of Jesus. In fact, I'll, I'll, I'll say it like this. Forgiveness shouldn't just flow to us, but it should flow through us. That's the gospel of Jesus, is that it doesn't just come to us, but it comes through us. We give the gospel. In fact, I'm talking about that. There's a great, this verse is just before. We just read uh, verses 14 and 15 of Matthew chapter 6, where it talks about if you forgive others of their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you your transgressions. Well, that seems mighty strong. That seems really bold. That seems really difficult. That seems not fair. God's not fair. But watch this. I want you to read this with me because this is Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Let's read it. It says, Our Father, come on, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Come on loudly. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's read these last ones. For if you forgive others... For their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive you of your transgressions. Watch this. Forgiveness is all about your flow. Forgiveness is all about your flow. This is what will change everything. If my flow is right, if my flow is to God, if my flow is through God, if my filter is Father God, then forgiveness is not an option. Forgiveness is a requirement. Forgiveness becomes a fruit. Watch this, watch this. It says, our Father, right? Our Father. Somebody say, our Father. See, this, this is the recognition. Well, I can't write. This is the recognition of God. As you can tell by my handwriting, I did not write all this. And that's on purpose, so you could read it. Our Father, the beginning of this, is the recognition of God in our lives. It is the opportunity to say this. It is our, our, our filter to go, God, you are my Father. What does a father do? A father loves, right? A father, a father loves. A father challenges. A father embraces. A father, a father corrects. Watch this. That's why it's important that we don't, we don't look at the Bible and go, I'm only going to do what I agree with in here. Because a father corrects. In fact, Proverbs teaches us that only the foolish despise the correction of God. True children of God embrace the correction of the father. He's our father. It's correction. It's challenging. It's making us better. It's helping us walk this out. It's doing what we need to do. When he's our father, now we've recognized God is at the top. God is here. God is my father. And then it says what? Hallowed. Hallowed. What does that mean? To make holy. Or put in first place. So now it says, recognize, this is your flow. This is our flow. Recognize our Father. Uh, recognize God. Make his name holy. Make his name in first place. Go back to our cow tipping series. Why did we do a series on idols? Because everything else can have an opportunity at first place in our lives if we're not careful. 
And his name needs to be first. So if God is my father, if God is God, then his name is holy. His name is first. His name means something to me. Now watch this, watch this. Are you with me? Now you've got your kingdom. What is that? Whose kingdom? God's kingdom. Your kingdom come. God is the Father. His name is holy. And so now that I'm focusing on that, it is not about building my platform. Are you listening today? It's not about you. That's why forgiveness is not about what you feel like. Because it's not about the platform you build. It's about the kingdom that's coming. It's not about the mic that you get. It's about the kingdom that's coming. That's why my feelings don't matter as much as my faith matters. Is anybody in the room with me today? Y'all are not helping me today. I'm preaching way better than you're, you're talking. The truth is, is that when I recognize God as my father and I make his name holy, now it ain't about my platform. It's not about my politics. It's not about my, my popularity or my reputation. It's about his kingdom. because when I, And then when I focus on his kingdom, it's now about what? Your will. Whose will? God's will. Watch this. You know what a will is? It's a series of directions that get you to a destination. It's like a GPS in your mind or in your life. You have a will for your life. If you want to get healthy, you have to set out those series of directions to figure out when am I going to the gym? How long am I going to stay? What diet am I going to be on? What workout am I going to do? What am I going to do this? Whatever it is, that's the will. So whenever God is my father, whenever his name is holy, I can always tell if his name is holy and God is my father when I'm focusing more on his kingdom than my platform. And then I can always tell it whenever I worry more about if I'm doing it his way than my way. If I'm, if I'm living my life for me, it ain't about my, his kingdom, is it? It's about mine. It's not about his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about my will being done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says this, give us what? This day, our what? Daily bread. This day, individual days, daily bread. This, I love this part. Because if my flow is God's my father, his name is holy, I'm living for your kingdom to accomplish your will. And today, God, is a new day to accomplish it. How many times have we done this? How many times have we started our day? And we go, you know what, God? You're my father. Your name is holy, not mine. It's about your will and your kingdom, not me being right and not me having it together but it's about establishing your kingdom on earth through your will. God, today, you've given me breath this morning. You gave me grace and you allowed me to be here. And so today, whatever bread I need to make it through the day, God, I got this deadline and I got this relationship and I got this stress and I got this bill and I got this and I got this. But God, I don't wanna focus on that more than I focus on you. So God, for today, for the next few hours that I'm awake, for the next few hours that I live on this earth, God, would you give me the daily bread that I need? Whatever you cooked for me last night, would you feed me throughout the day? Holy Spirit, would you tell me how to react to unforgiveness? Holy Spirit, would you tell me how to react? Holy God, would you tell me what your will for today is? 
Because here's what I know. The moment I wake up in each day is this day, and it's not about my bread, but about his bread. Watch this. Everything changes. It's all about my flow. And if I get my flow right, and my dependence is on him, watch this. He now says, then I'll forgive you of our debt, of your debts, if you forgive others. Here's where I'm at today. It's great to have good points. It's great to have good thoughts. It's great to talk about that. But watch this. If your flow is on God, forgiveness is your fruit. Forgiveness is your evidence. Do you know you can't you cannot take responsibility for the way others receive forgiveness? It's not your responsibility. And it doesn't make them a bad person. I've apologized to somebody in my life, and they looked at me and said, maybe one day I'll forgive you too. That doesn't make them bad. They're in a different place. I knew what I needed to do. It doesn't make me great. In fact, it doesn't make me good. But here's what it does. It, it came to a place where I had to go, it's not my responsibility for their response. It's my responsibility to be faithful. Some of you today, the truth is, forgiveness is releasing something. Here's what I know. There will be hundreds of people that walk in this room and in Florence, and by the end of the week, there will be thousands of people that watch that video. Here's what I know. Hundreds of people are dealing with the weight of unforgiveness in your life. Maybe the person that did it to you isn't even alive anymore. And the fruit of the life you live now is because of the root of what they did. Maybe you carry a label that they placed on you, but God never did. Maybe, watch this, your marriage may be falling apart because you can't let go of what somebody else did. Maybe you can't even look yourself in the mirror and be positive about yourself because of what you say about yourself. So you need to forgive yourself. Here's what I know today. I wanted to do, at first, I was going to do a big altar prayer. We were going to have prayer time up here at the front. And I want to pray for you. And so if you need prayer today, specifically, we have a prayer corner in the back every Sunday. All you got to do is go back there. We have people back there every service that want to pray for you. But I, don't want, I felt this challenge. Don't do a prayer service. Don't do altar time. Because it, watch this, it does nothing if I pray about it up here and don't go make, make it right out there. Matthew says, if I have a problem with a person, I go to the person. I don't go to Facebook. I don't go to Instagram. I don't go to friends. I don't go to others. I go to the person. And if I can't work it out with a person, then I get those people in my life. Not Facebook, the life groups and the friends and the prayer partners. Watch this. Some of you today, some of us today, the whole message, God's been knocking and you know exactly what you got to release. And here's what you need to do. I, my prayer is this, is that you will not get comfortable all week long until you go to that person. And you either ask them for forgiveness or give them forgiveness without them asking. They may not even know. Some of you, it's not about sitting down and having a face-to-face -face conversation with somebody else. Some of us, it's about going home and looking in the mirror and forgiving ourselves and saying, you from 15 years ago, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you are still holding me captive today. 
You're, you're ruining intimate moments with my spouse. You're ruining my marriage. You're ruining these things in my life and I will not allow it anymore. And so therefore I forgive you and I release you. That's for somebody. I don't know what it is, but here's what I do know. I know forgiveness affects all of us. And if my flow is right, forgiveness is not an option. It's a requirement. It's a fruit. And so what I want to do today is I just want to pray. I want to pray and ask God to give us the Holy Spirit power to live this out this week because there's 239,000 people within 10 miles of here that need to see what the forgiveness of Jesus looks like and they need to see what forgiveness of others looks like. A horizontal, I mean a horizontal and a vertical relationship. And can I just tell you, that's my prayer for you is that this week, I'm gonna pray that you get uncomfortable. You can reject it. But that is my prayer, and it's not to make you mad. It's not to upset you. It is simply so that we can walk out. Because doesn't it do, it does nothing to hear a good sermon, does it? But if we live it out, it changes everything. So I want to pray with you right now, and then I'm going to give you a couple of next steps. Father, I thank you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you for the vertical forgiveness of redemption and grace and mercy and love in our lives. And I thank you that we get to freely walk into that as a gift that's freely given. And God, I pray that right now in this moment, in this day, in, in, in this service, right now, God, that you would move. God, that you would bring people home to you. God, I pray that there are people in this room right now that would walk to that prayer center in just a moment. And God, that they would walk back there and say, I need the forgiveness of Jesus in my life first. And they'd give my life, their life to you. God, right now, I pray each person in this room that's heard this, every person that's gonna check, out, check us out online, every person that is online right now, all of that, God, I just pray that right now, God, that you would show us who we need to talk to, how we need to release it, what it looks like, because here's what I know, God, I can leave it at the altar, but I can leave it in your hands no matter what. And I've gotta let some things go to walk in freedom with you. God, I love you. And I think this is a life-changing, transforming moment in our lives that we get to walk out. Father, I love you. I honor you. We worship you. We give you all that we have. In your name we pray. Can we put our hands together for some life change in the room today? Amen. Hey, listen real quick. Here's what I want to tell you. Next Sunday, we start a brand new series that really couples in with this really strong. It's called The Secret Weapon. It is the secret weapon of your life, how to live a power, powerful, spirit-filled life to where God is evident in your life. We're going to talk about that over the next several weeks. It's going to be amazing. Here's what I want you to do, though. Y'all heard me. 239,000 people around us need Jesus. Amen? They need a church home. Every week, we give you stacks of invite cards. I want you to take as many as you want, but give every single one you take out this week. Invite some people to be back with you next Sunday. Let's fill the room. Let's watch Jesus fill heaven. Let's change lives. Let's go out and invite people, and I'll see you next week for The Secret Weapon. Love you guys. Let's go change the world.